Warning. This show may contain blunders, tangents, and inaccuracies. We try, but words are hard. Spoilers are inevitable. You've been warned. Lastly, the following is the opinion of two middle-aged media junkies. Try not to get butthurt if we say something you don't like. <clears throat> Viewer discretion is advised. Spinning rack. Hey everybody, welcome to Sequel Centric. We take a look at follow-ups in the media to see how they stack up against their predecessor. I am Nate and he is the Steve to my Diana. Duh. What's up, Nate? Uh, not much. How's it going, Duff? Fair to Midland, I'd have to say. I don't know, there's, a, just, there's just too much stuff going on in the current climate, and I want none of it. So I like to watch movies instead, uh, or TV shows. I've been uh, binging a little uh, <laughs> ghost adventures with my wife here lately. So uh, that's, that's what's getting me for TV. Not to mention that I have totally caught up on uh, The Mandalorian. Cannot wait to do an episode on that one. Nice. But what's got our attention this week, Nate? Well, I would say Wonder Woman 1984. It seems to be a topic of conversation the last couple of weeks. It has. Uh, Warner Brothers pulled a really interesting strategy here in the current climate of the pandemic, and they uh, did a simultaneous release, not only in theaters where available, but also HBO Max. Well, shit, Diana. Yeah, I think that's a bold move, which also makes a whole bunch of the other studios like uh, Disney, NBC, uh, to come up with a new strategy as well. Well, NBC's got Peacock that they're rolling out. Disney, of course, has Disney Plus, and they're doing the exact same thing. They did, uh, they did a, an exclusive release with Mulan. They did an exclusive release with... Hamilton? With Hamilton. And they just keep doing these exclusive releases that make it so worth buying Disney Plus. Uh, it is one of those one of those that just like Netflix, I think right now, I don't know if I'd want to do without it. I can get rid of Hulu. In fact, I did get rid of Hulu because I just didn't watch it. I uh, recently just got rid of YouTube TV because it was just an expense I didn't want to pay for. But Disney Plus. It almost feels like back in the cable days, you know, it's like, you know, do you want HBO, Cinemax, uh, all the other ones? And, and, and we're kind of in this new era of streaming. It's that's what you're looking for. And, and everybody's clamoring for your money and for your time, whether it's CBS, Peacock, uh, Netflix, YouTube, whatever, you know. Uh, so and I think Disney's I think I would consider I would consider Disney like up at the top now with everything they provide. I mean, they dropped Pixar's uh, Soul movie on Christmas, which Sandy and I watched, and it, it was great. So, you know, like you said, with the pandemic, with COVID and stuff, all these, the, the media franchises, Disney and all them, they got to really figure out what their next strategy is for the next, what, maybe six to 18 months going on. Yeah, and I think it's the next six to 18 months that's going to dictate uh, just where we go from here, because let's face it. The movie theaters are, especially after this year, they're, 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 I, I don't know if they're coming back. They were kind of on life support, in my opinion, before COVID and once COVID hit last year, it, 
it's it's almost like putting yeah. the nails in the coffin or something. Mm, yeah. So, but let's swing them back around and talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Well, before we talk about Wonder Woman 1984, let's talk about what makes it worthy of covering here on Sequel Centric. Nate, is it just me, or has DC really been trying to get a piece of that Marvel pie here in the last yeah, couple of they, years? Yeah, uh, Marvel came up with, with a pretty good formula, and Kevin Feige just perfected it. So, you know, uh, Warner Brothers was trying to do the same thing, you know, with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, you know, Wonder the first Wonder Woman's in that whole DCEU, but um, it it wasn't catching on. It was kind of more misses than hits. And I think they re- decided just to forget it. And they released Joker, which is not attached to that. Um, the interesting about Wonder Woman 1984 is it's connected to the first one, which is connected to this DCEU, but it's also its own entity, right? Yes. So, um, and with the new uh, Batman movie that's coming up with Robert Pattinson, is that it? Pat. Sounds you know, about so, right. So yeah. So the next couple of DC movies, I think they're just gonna make a they're just gonna make movies, right? And they're not gonna connect. Well, my thing is they should have been doing that before they came out with Suicide Squad and the yeah. the, the the what's the Avengers equivalent? Justice, Justice League. League. Uh, yeah. they threw so much into those two movies that it made it damn near impossible to sit down and watch as 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 something more than a disconjointed nightmare. That's a fair point. It was way too much. Too yeah. much was cut. It should have been an origin, origin, joint force. Origin, origin, joint force. We had no backstories. DC Warner Brothers should have just used the exact same playbook that Feige and Marvel Studios and Disney came up with, right? Yes, exactly. But instead, they shoved way too much into it and made it so disjointed. I'm okay if you're just going to make one movie. Like back in the day with when uh, Richard Darner did uh, Superman 1 and 2, he was filming them back to back. And then, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman in, in 89. You know, just if you want to do a that, classic. like the Joker movie, that was really successful and it had no ties to anything. No. And I think that's the way they should story. go. I think they should have put Joker out way before Suicide Squad. Regardless of who was playing the Joker, it needed to be told. It was a story that we needed to know well before seeing Suicide Squad because we had no reflection as to why he was such a nutball. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is with the comics, it's, it states there's, there's a multiverse. So, you know, just do whatever you want. They don't have to, they don't have to connect. Don't do Marvel, do DC, right? Make a good movie with a good story and the people will come. They'll they either come to the theaters. They'll, they'll subscribe to your stream, whatever. A lot of those movies are good. Some are not as good, but overall they got you hooked. And I think they are slowly learning that, uh, from the first Wonder Woman and then, uh, of course, Aquaman, and and now with the 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 Wonder Woman 1984 that we're talking about today, it's just I really feel they're starting to learn. Hey, do the single off movies, you know, do the sequels. I mean, they didn't start with Avengers; they started with Iron Man. Oh yeah, follow suit. If you put out good standalone movies or even standalone franchises that all later come together once we all have fallen in love with these characters yeah then 
do Justice League, then do Suicide Squad. Uh, but you already screwed the pooch there, unfortunately, DCEU. Spinning back around, I really feel that Wonder Woman is one of those. They, 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 they learned how to make a good movie. Not tied to anything until the sequel. And that's what we're talking about today. If we're going to talk about the sequel, we've got to start somewhere. Nate, why don't you tell us a little bit about it to 2017? Well, it was directed by Patty Jenkins. It was an origin story, how Steve Trevor's crashed on the uh, island. He was kind of telling her about what's going on in the outside world. She goes out, she gets involved in the Great War, also known as World War I, saves the day, falls in love, all the usual good stuff. And in this movie, we see that Diana must contend with a work colleague and businessman whose desire for extreme wealth sends the world down a path of destruction after an ancient artifact that Grant's wishes goes missing. Patty Jenkins did return to direct as well as write. She gets writing credits as well as Jeff Johns and David Callahan. So now that we've given you the plot of the movie, Let's talk about the pros and cons. Well, in my book, Duff, I think this movie, for me personally, has almost the same amount, uh, an equal amount of pros and cons. Um, one, for me, Patty Jenkins came back as director. I always like it when there, there's a sequel movie and the director comes back like in The Hangover or... It's almost a necessity. You find it really, really difficult to make a really good franchise that has so many different directors. Case in point, it was really disjointed there with the Fast and Furious franchise there for a little bit until Justin Lin came back in. Well, like Gunn did both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and because he knows the characters and everything, both movies are great. So yeah. I was happy to see Patty Jenkins come back, and she's even going to be directing the new Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie coming up in twenty. 23, I think. So I'm, I'm excited about that. She's also doing something else with Gal. Uh, she's doing Cleopatra. Ooh. Yeah. It's in development at Paramount. Wait, didn't Liz Taylor, didn't she play Cleopatra in an old movie? Yeah. So this, this, this okay. is a reboot, I guess. <laughs> Unless there's someone like you or me that knows that sort of stuff, most people probably think it's a new movie. Well, of course, but you know, we're a little bit older than them. I know. <laughs> so what's a pro for you there, Duff? Well, I actually have to agree with your pro, uh, but I'm always one for efficiency. So it's always going to be a pro in my book when you don't have to watch the first movie. Now, granted, as we are media junkies, it really makes sense that we would, of course, want to. But if you're in a time crunch... Just watch the second one. And because they started off the movie with the childhood recap, they made it possible for you to just go off on the second one and, you know, go back and watch the first one later. It's not a necessity to see them in order. So that's a definite pro for me. Yeah, I would agree, too. Nate, give us I can give pro. you two quick ones. It's a great follow-up to the first one. And the special effects and the cinematography were just amazing. It was uh, my wife and I, we watched this because I had been hearing a, a 
few things. A few friends of mine wanted to know what my opinion was. I had to tell them, well, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll get around to it. It was a nice sit back and relax, enjoyable movie. It was a great day just to kill time. Especially with it being digital release. Thank you, HBO. Yeah, I'll throw that as, an, as an, another pro. <laughs> well, we already kind of talked about that. Yeah, I know, but you know. Now, here's another quick pro for me. I really loved seeing Pedro Pascal come into the DCEU. Uh, we, we all know him from The Mandalorian. Stop touching things. But... Yep. Seeing him as some con man uh, in in the DCEU, almost a villain. Uh, well, yeah. I guess you could call him a villain, yeah. He only wants all the oil in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Pretty, pretty much villain. For a low monthly fee, you can own a piece of the most lucrative industry in the world. And every time we strike gold, you strike gold. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was so interesting. Um, I wasn't aware of Pedro Pascal until The Man Loin uh, popped up in 2019. So it was kind of weird just to see his face the whole time because, you know. Yeah. Normally, if he's in the armor, he's got a helmet c covering his face. I kept on waiting for him to say, come here, little one. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> oh my god, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah. Killing it. Killing it with the roll, man. Killing it. Ready to lay low and stretch your legs for a couple of months, you little womp rat? And these next couple of ones uh, will finish up the pros for me, so I'll just group them all up into one. A, I love how empathetic Diana is. Hi. Thank you. Diana Prince, cultural anthropology and archaeology. Barbara Minerva, geology, gemology, lithology, and part-time cryptozoologist. Case in point, seeing Barbara's situation and, you know, inviting her to dinner. Yeah. Totally a move that I would do. And I'm, I've, I'm, I'm often uh, known for being too empathetic and, and uh, well, people call me a pussy. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm emotional. I can't help it. <laughs> and B, I think the way they reintroduced Chris Pine into the storyline was was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, because I, I when I saw that Chris was coming back to to re reprise his role, I really thought, all right, um, hmm. how are they going to do this? Yeah, that's going to be a tricky one. That's what I when I found out he was going to be in the second movie when they started filming and they were posting stuff on social media. I'm like, how in the hell are they going to bring back a dead guy? Yeah. And the last two, uh, they're they're for the looks. Uh, and that'll actually bring us into our first con from my take. Uh, but as as far as looks go, uh, two two definite pros. Uh, holy hell, Gal looks amazing in gold. Oh, yeah. She almost looked like Hawk, uh, Hawk Woman in yeah. that army at the end of the movie. Yeah, it was pretty sick, that getup. And speaking of the getup, uh, that leads us to the uh, post credit scene. You have to let me thank you, Miss. Asteria. Asteria. Wow. That's a beautiful name. It's from my culture. Uh <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, Asteria. The next movie is going to be killer. No, I, uh, 
I didn't even know they they um I read somewhere that when they were sending the movie out for people to watch, they actually kept that part out because they didn't want anybody to know that Linda Carter, aka Wonder Woman from nine was it nineteen seventy eight to yeah the OG 80. Wonder Woman yeah yeah I mean for her, for me Linda Carter is the OG she's Wonder the Woman uh you know uh you know live action so for for them to figure out a way to put her in. I don't want to say organically, but so naturally they, for me, it was, it was a huge bonus. Yes. And, uh, Linda Carter, <laughs> huge boner. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, if, I mean, you, I, the old Wonder Woman shows are on streaming DVD on Amazon or whatever. I would tell anybody just check it out for me. I, I haven't gone back to watch it cause I'm afraid it may not hold up like what's in my head, but it's kind of like MacGyver. Going yeah, back yeah. to rewatch the original MacGyver. Oh, so bad. I think Disney did this movie called Sky High where, you know, superheroes have kids and the kids go to the school up in the clouds. The principal was Linda Carter and she made some sort of reference like, I can't do anything more to help you. I'm not Wonder Woman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much like my usual MO, I watched the movie with my wife. And mm-hmm. when both of us saw Asteria walking, you saw her just her back. And yeah. we were both like, no, no, because we knew we knew it was Linda Carter. And yeah, sure yeah. As shit, we, she turned around and <gasps> like, yeah, oh, man, it, that's that's one of the things I really think they've they've taken from the MCU. Yeah. Their post-credit outros are really on point. This one especially. For me, it was a home run. So, Nate, all out of pros, it's time for some cons. Gotcha. For me, this really felt like a director's cut than a theatrical cut because it was two and a half hours long. Yes, it was just so much time. Especially when you've got to watch it twice. Not me. Oh, you only did the one? I watched it once. This is one of my other cons, not to jump ahead on you. Uh, I'm halfway through watching Wonder Woman 1984, and I'm thinking to myself, this movie has been made 37 years ago, and that movie is called Superman 3. <laughs> yeah, the similarities were were there. Oh, you picked up on that too? A little bit. I mean, Superman 3 was my least favorite of the the original Superman movies. So that's why I didn't watch Wonder Woman 84 a second time. I went and watched Superman 3 because I just wanted to make sure I was all the all the beats and everything I was thinking of. Was I correct? And yeah, I was correct. Major bad guy wants all the oil in the world. (laughs) You know, there's a nice person that does bad things for the other. It just it, it was just like. There's a robbery in the beginning of the movie. Superhero saves a kid. It was just like, what? Yeah, it was a little... The, the similarities were a little too much there. There was enough, a little bit of a difference, because, you know, Richard Pryor was in. Well, they're just floating around out there. The computer's nowhere. How many sugars? One and a half. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But still, it, it was... When I was watching 84, I was... It was I wouldn't say it was scary, but it was it was it was weird. Going, am I just imagining this? You know, and, and Richard Lester, which got credit for Superman two after they knocked Donner uh, off, 
came back and directed Superman three. So like Jenkins, she directed the sequel. There was there's so many similarities. Yeah, I think I think you've got a a, a really good point there, dude. All right, I've I've got quite a few. Um, I have a little bit of a an issue with the script in a couple of parts. A, um, I I have to disagree with the assessment that Diana cheated in the decathlon event at the beginning of the movie. Uh, during the uh, the the event, she uh, got taken off her horse. She wasn't paying attention. She was resourceful and found a way to still, A, get back on the horse, and B, get to the end first. I agree. I think she was being very resourceful, considering she was competing with women, like, two times her age. You took the short pass. You cheated, Diana. That is the truth. That is the only truth, and truth is all there is. So, yes, she missed a checkpoint. Does that mean cheating? No. Well, that's it, right? I guess because she didn't do the one checkpoint, she was disqualified. Yeah. Yeah, I call bullshit on that one. (laughs) And another issue that I've got with the script is uh, regarding Kristen Wiig. It it would have been much more impressive if they would have taken a regular nobody and then turned them into a fox. Compared to making Kristen Wiig look dumpy. Hey, Jake. Jake, hi. Can you... you... Anyway, um... Hi. I know, walk much? Well, they've done that before. Uh, Jamie Foxx in Amazing Spider-Man 2. They always uh, do that. Michelle Pfeiffer in Catwoman, as Catwoman in uh, Batman Returns. So they've done this before. Well, I think it's time they stop. Not saying that Kristen Wiig wasn't an amazing actor in this entry. But I think it's time for them to stop making hot chicks look dumpy. Who are they kidding? Right? <laughs> so lame. Dorky. Lame. Yeah, let's like go. the lamest lames. Yeah, well. Well, my, my one last con that I have is it, it kind of dragged in a few places, which kind of goes with my first con that it, it felt like a director's cut. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's one of the great things about watching it on TV or having either streaming or physical media, you can pause it, do something, come back to it. Overall, I enjoyed it, but the, yeah, those are my only three cons. Yeah. Well, hold tight there, Skippy, because I've got a couple more for you. Excellent. Strapping <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, one of the other issues I've got with the script is the whole ancient, uh, ancient relic that Grant's wishes didn't I see that on an episode of Supernatural? How exactly did your teddy become real? I wished for it. You wished for it? At the wishing well. Why am I here? For tea parties! Tea parties? Is that all there is? <laughs> Supernatural, Aladdin, I mean, just, you know. It's, it's a tried and true formula. It works. I mean, that, not so much it, a con, but it's it, it's definitely not a pro. I have no words to say. <laughs> <laughs> During the last act of the movie, Maxwell Lord uh, decided to just say, "Hey, you can do this, you can do that, and I'm going to take this." 
no one ever wished for that stuff. So that shouldn't have been possible. Well, you know, I think it, you know, when you got to the end of the movie, uh, especially when he was uh, basically streaming <laughs> and everybody was making a wish, I thought that kind of defeated the purpose of him being there. But yeah, it was a, a little inconsistent in the writing, or whatever. I just, I looked over it. For me, movies are, are, are a way to escape and enjoy something else for a while. You don't have to deal with what's going on Capitol Hill or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about the ASP program. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I did like how they mentioned the Star Wars project. Yeah, the Star Wars project, uh, that mention was pretty, pretty interesting to hear. All right, so let's take a step back and talk about the Army's atmospheric scatter program. What's this? Global Broadcast Satellite. Top secret program that enables us to override any broadcast system in the world in case we need direct contact with the people of an enemy state. <laughs> uh, got a lot of issues with it. See, all right. Uh, first one. The Telstar satellite was launched in 1962, so there were TV satellites out there in orbit, but uh, yeah. consumer satellite TV wasn't anywhere near ready for prime time in 1984. Yes, local and cable TV networks did utilize satellite technology back in the 80s, but it was for syndicated content. Most of the content back then was still either uh you know played from a recording system at the station or it was recorded live they might have been playing a little loose with that info like once again with with movies if it's close enough and it works great but unless you got someone like you or me they're gonna get down to the nitty-gritty and really pick at the did this really happen? Could this have happened at this point in time in history? The majority of the people are going to watch this. They're going to just roll with it. And that's, hey, that makes sense. Yeah, but especially see, the millennials. But see, that's not who I am. So, yes, as, as, as you've stated in a previous episode, <laughs> accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. So let me digress. <laughs> so we also saw in the movie that the broadcast from Lord was also being shown on office workers' computers. Yeah, that made my eye twitch a little bit. That, that made my entire body twitch, and let me explain <laughs> why. Uh, in 1984, Internet was only connecting about a thousand different universities and or corporate labs at the time. So... <laughs> let's just say people didn't have internet and offices like that and they couldn't push a, a, a data signal through it at the time there just there was no throughput at all that would have made that a, a viable option not only that but the asp only discussed satellite broadcast streams nothing about data packet streams uh were ever mentioned and uh, that wouldn't have been possible anyway, because the KA band in satellite systems weren't opened up until 1993. So data communications didn't start really until then. Well, I, I might have an answer when, I, when you were going off on your tiny rant. Go for it. Um, in the movie, in the beginning, anytime someone made a wish with Max he took something from them, right? 
So my guess is towards the end, when everybody's making a wish and some other stuff, maybe he was using his powers or whatever to open up and get onto the all the computer computer screens, TVs, and whatnot. Okay. Well, uh, it's not it's not a perfect answer, but I'm just it's an answer. No, especially since that monitor that Alistair was uh, was was pleading into only yeah. had the potential for sixteen colors. Yeah, max. And like I said, yeah, yeah. that's the only do I dare say logical answer. It, but yeah, if you put if you try to put a little bit more reality into this into this movie, yeah. Everything you stated is absolutely true, and and it would not have worked. But once again, movies are art. It's a form of escapism, and sometimes you just got to go with the flow. Right said. So I, I guess I shouldn't then complain about the fact that uh, jumbotrons uh, weren't invented until 1985. No, I'll let you have that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So we just spent the better part of, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes giving it a bunch of crap. <laughs> Does that change the fact for you? Is this a movie worth adding to your roster? What say you, Nate? For me, the movie sequels. It's got everything the first one has, a little bit more, for better or for worse. Need I say more? It definitely sequels for all the reasons you said and more. It it just it really holds through as a valuable add on to the franchise and for that i am going to give it a, a solid watch because it was a really decent lineup i agree i would put it under the watch a category as well unless you're uh a diehard dc person they're probably gonna buy it but i would tell anybody off the street uh watch it Well, that's our verdict. You heard it from us. Give it a watch. It's in our collection, but that's because we're media junkies. Got any fun tidbits or anything before we uh, sign out there? I, I do, actually. Uh, at the end of the movie, the snowball fight scene, Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins' uh, family uh, actually made some cameos there. The eldest daughter of Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins' son were the kids throwing the snowballs, and the uh, the family on the carousel was uh, Gal's younger daughter and uh, husband. Nice. What about you, Nate? Any any fun tidbits? Uh, yeah. The uh, the young actress that played uh, young Diana, Lilia Spell, performed all the required physical stunts. At the age of 12, and she actually was doing them better than her own stunt doubles, which that's kind of amazing for a 12-year-old wow. to do. Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah, the intro alone, just watching that, was just, when I watched it, was it was mind-blowing. I was wondering how much of that she did, and now reading this fun fact makes it even more impressive in my book. Yeah, I think they picked a really good choice for casting on that role. Anything else, or are we going to get out of here? I think we've said enough on this episode. I think we should uh, get on out of here. All right. Well, 
I'll just listen to what that guy said. Nate said, get out of here. So we're going to get out of here. Uh, if you guys want to uh, give us uh, ideas for future episodes, leave a comment down below. Don't forget Instagram and Facebook where I post stuff and we want to hear from you. Yes, because we're desperate for your approval. <laughs> I was going to say we're a little podcast and we want to grow just a little bit bigger this year. Yes, we'd like you to share us so we can do just that. Share with everybody, friends, family members, co-workers. Even, even people you don't like. <laughs> we'll take anybody. Yes, That's we how will. desperate we are. <laughs> Speaking of desperate, be sure to check out our Patreon page if you want to support us in our mission to put out great content. If you feel that's what we are doing. <laughs> starts at a dollar yeah, and you get all extra dollar. stuff like bloopers and stuff. Yeah. So check it out. Patreon.com slash sequel centric. I'm Duff. I'm Nathan. And until next time, ask yourself this question. Does, Does it sequel? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SequelCentric for the latest updates. And consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Want more? There's lots of exclusive content on our Centrics page at patreon.com forward slash SequelCentric. SequelCentric is hosted by Nathan Blake and Patrick Duffy. SequelCentric is produced by Patrick Duffy. <laughs>